0: A happy Monday to each of you and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. It is the week of Thanksgiving and we are officially one month into the season. And while it's not Christmas just as of yet, though he doesn't like to be called till Christmas, the wonderful sir from Grizzly Bear Blue site manager Joe Molinax has been kind enough to join us. Joe, it's been a while since we've talked to you, but how are you, sir? And happy early Thanksgiving to you.
1: Thank you, Sean. Same to you. Uh, It's crazy that it's only been a month into this NBA season it feels like it's been a year you know I kind of feel like those those Civil War Twitter accounts that people make like the Andrew Luck one from back in the day where I'm writing letters home to my wife or my mother uh, talking about how cold it is out here and and NBA Twitterdom Grizzlies fans seem to be getting more and more unhappy and that makes me sad you know the team is still very young I'm sure we'll talk more about all the levels of this but you know, it just seems like every year we're getting more and more depressed, which is crazy, Sean. Because I used to be the negative one. I used to be the one that everybody said was too big of a negative Nancy, and here I am being a positive Pat.
0: I'm not used to it, Sean. It's throwing off my groove. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I'll say this. You know, it's fun to see. You know, people can have different opinions, all that different stuff. Of course, I I'm can only speak for myself. I'm not here to tell anyone to say how they might think or interpret the Grizzly season. But, Joe, I will tell you this. I do feel like for anyone, what I'm about to do for you is going to put a positive spin on things. A bit of a surprise that we didn't get to see the last time you were on here. Yes! The Locked On Grizzlies theme song. Here we go. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day,
1: Joe. I your first. Like, I feel like I'm on an episode of Grizzly's Dateline. Like that was fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, is there somebody that's going to come and and test me for my uh, pesky pesky DNA or you know uh, whatever it might be? Goodness gracious.
0: I asked him if I could do the voiceover and my impersonation of Bane's voice from Batman. <laughs> 11, but they, they wouldn't allow it. All joking aside, Joe Molinax has been kind enough to join us. You can find myself at Stats SAC. Hope everybody certainly had a great weekend. Yes, it was another you know pretty forgettable you know Grizzlies game. But Joe is here with us. You can find the show at Locked On Grizzlies. Myself at Stats SAC. Joe at Joe Molinax on Twitter obviously site manager at Grizzly Bear Blues has done a wonderful job through his own content giving opportunities to people such as myself over the years very grateful to him for that I want to remind you you can find locked on Grizz at locked on Grizz you can find it free on podcast platforms we'll get to all the great podcast content from from Grizzly Bear Blues as well but Joe let's jump right into it um so basically I think there's a tale of two truths and I'm becoming a guy who's subscribing to that train of thought more often, because to me, it just helps me keep things in better perspective. Again, I can only speak for myself. But the tell of two truths I'm getting at so far for this season, Joe, are that this is a very young team. Inconsistency was always going to be the case. But the reasons why this team is inconsistent, especially on defense, and obviously to the point that they are getting beat pretty soundly when it comes to these losses, I do think it's disappointing. I do think it's to a level that people did not expect to be dis- disappointed. So, yes, yes, this team is young, but I also think there's legitimate reasons to be concerned. Where is Joe Molinax, Mr. Call Me at Christmas, where is he right now when it comes to that youth versus concern discussion a fifth of the way through the season remarkably consistent i still don't
1: care and i think that you know that that makes people really mad because i'm probably the most stubborn person that anybody's ever met or not met or interacted with and in twitterverse or real life or i, I don't know I, i'm just very steadfast in my belief that they're either going to write the ship or they're going to make major changes with their eye being on the future in terms of moving on from a Kyle Anderson, a Tyus Jones, a Brandon Clark, somebody like that, in order to get more assets. like They have never once, Sean, strayed from what they've said their stated goal is, and that is the long view of success for the Memphis Grizzlies franchise. They have not stepped away from that one iota, and as long as their superstar, John Morant, is on board with it, I don't know why they would change. So, yes, is it frustrating? Of course it is. I was covering for the blog on Saturday night, and I was on Twitter and doing the media. I know you're in those calls as well. And I was asking about, like, pies in the second half. Like, what flavor pie is your favorite? And um, Kelsey, who works with Grind City Media, talked about strawberry rhubarb. Like, what the hell is a rhubarb pie? Like, uh, but that was the focus. Of the second half, it certainly wasn't on the basketball game because pecan. the Memphis Grizzlies.
0: Pecan, pecan is fine. By
1: That's yes. a fine answer. Pecan yes. is fine. Chocolate is the correct answer, but pecan is a fine substitute. Um, but I, I think that it's important to understand that it's not. It's not that I'm okay with with it, in terms of being someone that's followed the team as long as I have. I'm one of the most competitive people. And I just don't really show it in this aspect of my life. I know you know it, Sean, behind the scenes and conversations we've had over the years um, I'm comp- I'm competitive in just about every which way there is uh, that's sports have literally been my life since I was 12 years old. so I, I think that people underestimate that about me or, or don't know that about me i'm a I'm a football coach by trade i I'm extremely competitive <laughs> I just think that you have to let people be what they tell you they are sometimes. And the Memphis Grizzlies have told us who they are. They are a 500 basketball team. And when you're a 500 basketball team, sometimes you look good. And sometimes you look like complete and total crap. And that's what they've looked like more often than not in their losses. And I get that that inflates point differential issues. I understand that, I mean, for me, the bigger concern is that they are not competing and they're not trying to stop the snowball. I asked about that multiple times. I asked that to Coach Jenkins, asked that to John ja Morant. Jaw didn't really give much of an answer, uh, understandably so, after a tough loss. Uh, like how, They don't fight back consistently. And obviously, two weeks ago, they did that to the Timberwolves at home. But overall, throughout the course of this small sample size of a season, when the snowball is rolling downhill in a bad way, nobody stops it. Nobody really puts forth the effort to try to regain the energy on a night-in, night-out, consistent basis. That's a fault of leadership, whether it's Coach Jenkins, John Morant, Kyle Anderson, Steven Adams, the two 28-year-olds on the team, the two oldest guys on the roster. Whoever you want to lay that at the feet of, that to me is the biggest concern, is that they're not competing consistently. The fact that they're not playing well consistently is what I don't care about because they are two best players, at least the two guys that are supposed to be their best players, are 22 years old, Okay. So the fact they're not playing consistent basketball should not surprise anybody. The fact that they're not competing consistently is what concerns me the most. And I think that that more than anything is what fans have a right to be mad about. I will tell fans <laughs> what they have a right to be mad about. I think that is what they have a right to be mad about because, again, Zach Kleinman has said, Taylor Jenkins has said, throughout this three-year process, we are going to compete I am not sure they have held up their end of the bargain through 16 games. And that is the biggest frustration for me watching
0: this team right now. And I think, you know, it, it, the fact is, is that it, 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 if you stay general, if you stay surface level, if you right. told fans before the season, 16 games into it, you're 8-8. Eight eight. You're clearly in the playing game. John ja Morant is playing at an all-NBA level, and mm-hmm. you've only had Dylan Brooks for four games. You just leave thrilled. it there. Stop stop the description there. It's a success story. But it's the losses the way that they've been, and it's the fact that the defense has struggled as mightily as it's been. When I myself had harped on the fact that I thought we were legitimately a top-10 defense this year, with Jaron and Melton back especially, it just hasn't been the case. But before we get into that, let's do talk about a positive, and that's John ja Morant. Uh, John Morant, who is embodies a different style than we're used to of somebody of his stature, but is so good and so resourceful when he gets into that lane. Joe, just, you know, I know there's a lot of things about this team that are inconsistent, but John Morant playing like a superstar to a level we've not seen before in Memphis has thankfully been the main consistent factor of this team so far. Except
1: for this past Saturday against the Timberwolves. But in general, yes, you're correct. Um, He's special, you know, uh, a lot was made his rookie year, especially of his Ja Morant better now than Mike Conley ever was. And, and I took umbrage with that and issue with that. Cause I didn't think he was, I don't, I didn't think he had earned that. He's earned that now he's quite clearly. And I would argue he earned it back in the play-in uh, back in the spring, quite clearly. John ja Morant is, is the best talent the Memphis Grizzlies have ever had. I think he's creeping up on Marcus all for the best player they've ever had. He may already be there. Uh, he's unbelievable to watch, must-see TV. He's somebody that the Grizzlies are very lucky to have. He is a sieve defensively. He, he's still not good there, and I think part of their problem is connected to them having to overcompensate for so much of what he does poorly on that end. But he is so impactful offensively that if they didn't have him, they would be more like the Houston Rockets than they would be anybody else in terms of having two or three wins at this stage of the season. John Morant is that important. He's probably not the MVP of the league, obviously. Um, He's the most improved player for me through these first 16 games. And, you know, again, call me at Christmas. Uh, I want to see a larger sample size and see if he's able to maintain. Uh, But at the same time, it's hard to deny what he has done offensively. His three-point shooting looks like it's a legitimate threat to hang around 35 36 37%. That's a game changer for him. He's doing a lot of creation off the dribble. I know if you've talked about that, uh, it, it's really just fun to watch him continue to evolve his game. He's not Russell Westbrook where he is just a physical freak and he gives great effort. And, you know, Russell Westbrook's a Hall of Famer. I'm not discrediting him. Um, but that was a comparison that a lot of people made. The one that I see now that I think is most fitting is Allen Iverson. He, he's the second coming of Iverson, and and that means the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be treated to some really fun basketball over the next few years because Iverson is one of the greatest in terms of fun-to-watch players in the history of the NBA, and obviously Iverson and those Sixers teams had some playoff success as well as time went on.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And, and Joe, I, I'll, I'll ask you this. I, I saw the description, I can't remember, it was on Twitter the other day, but where they talked about Zach Levine just is so impactful on offense that you just don't worry about the defense. Listen, he, he, again, that may keep him from being at that elite MVP level year in and year out. But I think that's where to the point that we're kind of at with y'all, in my opinion, at least. What what are your thoughts on that? I think I, I don't want to say that he's never going to improve defensively, but I do think that's kind of the track that we're on, that he's so impactful defensively, especially with a small market like the Grizzlies, that you you simply take that kind of player he is, and you just take the fact that defense may not be you know, anything more than average at best for Spurs.
1: I'd be happy with average, but we're not there yet. You know what I mean? Like I think that you make fair points, and I would say even below average would be okay, given how impactful he is offensively, but he's not below average, and, and I think that people don't talk enough about how he's often defending the guy that is the initiator of the offense and when he is the first guy getting picked off, not able to go over top of a screen, or he's the first guy doing those stunts, you know, uh, Parker Fleming wrote about the stunting that the Grizzlies like to do defensively for us at GBB. And, you know, when, when I watch the game now, I look for those kinds of things. And I think that the, his movement, and it's not just him, it's other members of the team. But again, he's the, the first guy that makes the mistake. And again, we talked about the snowball concept it snowballs from there and you have to overcompensate and the movement and angles are off and it adds up after a couple of swing passes and now there's an open shooter. So I, I agree with you that I don't care if he's never Jimmy Butler, right? Or if he's even Kevin Durant in some ways. Um, you know, I, He could be an average or even below average defender. Right now, he's really bad. And I think that he is a part of the issue on that end that folks don't talk about as much because of how impactful he is offensively, understandably so. I believe Jaw still has a, a positive net rating even when those de- with those defensive issues. So there's other guys that obviously don't make the offensive impact that Jaw does that are struggling just as much, if not more defensively. It's not Jaw's fault. Memphis is so inconsistent, at least not entirely. but he's not helping on the defensive end by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that he needs to at least, be someone that can hold his own and right now he's not
0: and i can certainly agree with that and the thing is is that when it comes to the grizzlies you know john morant clearly is making the big impact But What we're going to do with Joe in a second is we're going to discuss with him the two other guys who clearly are showing that they are the top trio when it comes to the impact on the Grizzlies night in and night out. Before we do that, I do want to talk about when it comes to locked on Grizzlies that our title sponsor for today's show is Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a great source when it comes to daily fantasy. It allows for you to be able to pick two to five players and an over-under on their projection and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's you versus the projected numbers. All you do is deposit and use your promo code and you will receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100. Just be, used, just be sure to use the promo code NBA. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of when it comes to sports. It's the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Make sure you check out Prize Picks today. Listen when it comes to sports Joe and myself we all love as much sports as we could possibly get Joe's a big fan of the Washington sports teams I'm a big fan when it comes to Atlanta and Tennessee and we love the Grizzlies but we want to find a way to be able to watch them all and that way to do that is through DirecTV Stream DirecTV Stream is a great opportunity for you to be able to get your all your TV together and together like never before that means no more juggling remotes no need to buy any device ever again and the best part there's no annual contracts so get so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at DirectTV.com. That's DirectTV.com. Make sure that you have compatible device required, and your content varies by pack stream. First listen of the day is locked on Grizzlies. Your second listen of the day, though, my Tennessee Titans lost to the Houston Texans today, and that's what we're going to talk. That's all that we're going to talk about. That Joe Molinax's Washington football team in a return trip for Ron Rivera to Carolina. They beat Cam Newton in his return start for the Panthers. So you've got plenty of football to check out. Check out the Locked On Football, Locked On Podcast Network football show of your choice as your second listen of the day. Forgive the technical difficulties. Joe's been a sport being kind enough to, to stick with us here. But, Joe, let's get into the other players who really stand out. We talk about John Morant, but I discussed the other day that Dylan Brooks is the Grizzlies' second-best player right now. And I feel that on most nights that is the case. However, yourself, Peter Edmonston and others. Peter Edmonston, who I know was on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, a wonderful um, episode for you and him both. Make sure for all listeners to check that out as well. Thank you. He, Yes, sir. He made the statement, the Grizzlies with Jaron as the second best player are a lot higher of a ceiling team than with Dylan as the second best player. And that's absolutely correct. My right. question to you is this. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s Defense, rebounding, his ability to control his fouls, the secondary elements of his game are all improving, mainly the consistency of his defense. Are those improvements watered down by the fact that he's been very inconsistent when it comes to his scoring, which to be fair, he has, but he is improving. Your overall thoughts on Jaron so far this season? I'm happy with him.
1: He's showing growth in the areas that we expected him to show growth, and if you think back to when he was selected in the draft, Sean, he was never the fact that he was so strong offensively early in his career was unexpected. Like that was the thing everybody thought he was going to struggle with was the offensive end of the floor. Everybody saw him as a defensive savant, somebody that was going to be able to be so versatile and so flexible within scheme. And that was one of the reasons the Grizzlies picked him. You know, they took him and Javon Carter I was in Memphis for that draft. Peter Edmondson, who you mentioned a moment ago, had to talk me off the ledge because um, I was so frustrated by the pick. And, you know, I was there when they had their draft, you know, their draft availability. And uh, they they interviewed Jaron and Javon Carter and they sold it as Grit and Grind 2.0 defensively with J.B. Bickerstaff. And, and, of course, none of those things came to fruition. Um, but I, I think that, we forget how young he is. I believe he's only a year older than Jaw. or he might even be a year younger than Jaw, or excuse me, a month, a month younger than Jaw. Um, he's extremely young. He's coming off of a pretty intense knee injury for him. Um, had a lot of rehab for that, and I think that he is someone who offensively, again, there is room for growth. There is room for positivity. There is room for him to improve there, especially from two point, right? I think he's shooting 38% from the field or something like that. That's a a miserable mark. I'm not making that argument. I believe in progression to the mean, just like there is a regression to the mean, right? Like I I refuse to believe that the 22 year old guy just forgot how to score the basketball at a 46%, which is a career number clip. Um, He's going to heat up. He's going to do better on that end. I'm looking for things that we admitted going into this season were flaws of his, rebounding, defending without fouling. He is showing that he is maintaining the growth that he displayed from the spring, or he's doing even better in those particular areas. For me, I want Jaron to create off the dribble more. That happened in the bubble before he injured his knee. That Spurs game stands out in my mind. We talked about it on GBB Live this past episode, um, this past week. He hasn't really done that. Very much. And I don't know if it's scheme related. I don't know if it's concerned about his knee. But he has not been that guy that created off the dribble to maximize the mismatches that were in front of him. And I want to see him do that more. I, I, I'm not sure that they are utilizing him to his best effect in that way. Uh, but beyond that, I'm happy with his growth. And that is what matters most. And, and I know that's frustrating. You can't go for upside swings in Zaire Williams. You can't make trades to trade away a superior basketball player and Jonas Valanciunas for an inferior one in Stephen Adams and then be surprised when Stephen Adams is inferior. Like, you can't be shocked by that development or by the fact that Grayson Allen on an NBA championship contender is doing an awesome job. That That's not surprising in any way, shape, or form. But if Grayson Allen were here, the Anthony Melton and Desmond Bain would not have the roles that they do. It's all about what is going to happen in the long term for the team and i i don't know maybe it's just fandom and i probably need to just chalk it up to that but again they've told us all along what their focus is they are now using action with word and extending jaron and giving him the contract they did they're clearly not concerned about it they want to see him be more consistent i'm sure but this is a long game situation they want Jaron to be at his best when he's 24, 25 years old, when they're hopefully contending for championships. They are not as concerned about the here and now, and they're going to give him opportunity to improve. And he's—it's going to be on him, obviously, to show it.
0: I agree completely, and that's the thing that I'll say is this: you know, I mentioned it the other day, Joe. My thought was is that we go month by month. Do those difference-making games, instead of them being one out of every five games, do they become one out of every four? Do they become one out of every three? That's kind of going to be my barometer when it comes to Jaren, and I think that's, that's fair. One of the things, though, that also stands out to me, Joe, is that if you want to call him the second best, if you want to call him the third best, you know, to each their own. But I do think that Dylan certainly shows that in terms of his level of importance, he's closer to John Jaron than he is to the other players on this roster, especially with the fact that he's only played four games this year. I know me and you had a very good conversation on Twitter the other day talking about Kyle Anderson getting extended. And I'm not going to necessarily get into a Dylan extension, but my point is – is that Dylan clearly, to me, is showing he is an important part of this Grizzlies' future. Me and Parker Fleming, obviously, associate editor over at Grizzly Bear Blues, a wonderful podcast on the GBB network called The Long View. Had a great conversation with him about Dylan. Joe, the consistency of his defense, as well as an improve his improving offensive game, the evolution that Dylan shows you know, on a consistent basis as well. But to me, the other big thing about it is the confidence that he displays no matter what situation he is presented, is a really, really big factor to this team that I think they miss at times on the court for such a young roster. The absence of Dylan Brooks and what you've seen when he's been on the court, just how much has this season so far told you about his importance moving forward?
1: They look to him.
0: You know, they, they always have. I, again,
1: I think back to the bubble and how they look to him in their moments when Jaron went down. That's really where you can point to saying Dylan became the second most important player uh, for this team as they're currently constructed. Again, long-term, that can't be the case. But I, I don't necessarily disagree with your point about him being that important in the here and now. His leadership is, is massive. Um, I think that... I don't think that the Grizzlies lose by 40, whatever the final, 43 or whatever it was. That doesn't happen if, if Dylan Brooks is playing. Like, you'll never be able to convince me that that game is that bad if Dylan is on the floor with that team. Not because he's the second coming of Scottie Pippen. It's because of his mentality, the confidence he brings to that group. It's, it's tangible. You can see it. You can feel it. Um, if you watch the games, if you talk to the team when Dylan is active, I, I think that he matters in that way. Can he create off the dribble? Yes. Is he one of the few guys that can make his own shot? Absolutely. Is his defensive effort against Paul George remarkable and other great players in the NBA? His ability to fight through screens. All of that's fantastic. He deserves all the credit in the world for what he has done to build his game from a second-round pick coming out of the University of Oregon to being one of the most important players on a postseason-expecting team in the NBA. That's a true statement. And Dylan deserves all the credit in the world for that. But I agree with Peter that if you want the Grizzlies to compete beyond that, he can't be the second best player. And I would argue he can't be the third best player. I think that he has to be an important starter. I think he's shown enough that he can be a starter. You know, me and Parker would have conversations about him being the sixth man and and those sorts of things. I think Dylan has earned enough to be a starter on on a very good NBA team. Uh, But I'm not convinced that even him as the third best player gives you an opportunity to compete at the level the Grizzlies eventually hope to. And again, they're twenty twenty two NBA draft. They're not going to make three picks in the 2022 NBA draft. They're not going to. They're not going to maintain five front court players like Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman. Having one of those guys not play every night is a waste, to be honest with you. So uh, I think that they're going to make some deals, whether it's around the trade deadline a little bit sooner, whether it's the summer coming up once Kyle is, you know, maybe it's a sign and trade with somebody. Um, You know, there's lots of different options they can have, but for me, they need to continue to build around Dylan, not move on from Dylan, because a lot of this culture that people talk about, it ain't from Jaw, it ain't from Jaron, it's from Dylan
0: Brooks. And culture has been a thing that has certainly defined the Grizzlies, not only them exceeding expectations so far, you know, in this rebuild, but also just in terms of being a great atmosphere that you certainly want to grow in. I can tell you another great thing that you can do um, to grow into, and that's a good daily diet. And that is Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Yes, Joe has always been a fan of my segues, but if you go to Built.com right now, you put in the promo code Locked fifteen. You can choose remember eighteen different flavors of Built Bar. Have it in the morning for breakfast and the afternoon as a snack. Add it to your day. It's certainly going to be there to stay. Go to Bilt.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. So, Joe, um, we are, let's see, it's six months, basically. It's six months now, and it's almost six months to the day. The Grizzlies are going back to Utah, facing the Utah Jazz tonight, where, of course, they played in their playoff game. And going into that playoff series, I truly do feel, or Yeah, that they're going into their first playoff game. Defense was the calling card of this team. Defense was really what was setting the tone for this team. That and John Morant and Dylan Brooks stepping into their offensive games. Joe, the defense right now just is not good. You know, we, we talk about, you know, Zaire Williams' minutes, you know, just in general, the defense getting there. When you look at this defense, I agree with Parker Fleming. I think it's a bit of confusion. I think that the initial inability of the Grizzlies to be able to stop those drives, trying to overhelp, and then trying to overcompensate from that, leaving the perimeter open too much, that really plays a part of it. From the football X's and O's mind of Joe Molinax, and someone who's been covering the Grizzlies for years now, Joe, the defense is struggling. What stands out to you as the biggest reason why? They're overhelping. I, I think that we're seeing a lot of and it could be communication.
1: I think Parker's onto something there. Uh, miscommunication. You see them struggling with keeping up with rotations, understanding where the next guy's supposed to skip to on ball movement uh, on the perimeter. You know, they're overly concerned about dribble penetration, and I think that that all adds up. You know, we talked about that about Jaw earlier in the show. You know, obviously Jaw is not the only reason that they're struggling defensively, but when your point guard who initiates so much of the offense or is defending the guy that initiates so much of the offense. Um, He's the first guy that loses a step on a screen. Well, now there's helping off of that. And then there's another pass or there's another screen, another pick, and then there's help off of that. And those inches and feet add up and eventually you, you lose sight of your guy and you're in a position where you're giving up open shots to teams in the NBA more than ever before in the history of the league that are capable do I expect Memphis – I think it's 41% or something like that. Do I think that number is going to continue for teams against the Grizzlies? No, I think it's going to go down. But if they continue on this path, it's not going to go down much. I, no, Never before in the history of the NBA have teams focused on shooting the three this much. So they're getting better at it. Like It's becoming a more consistent shot to take. And I see them having uh, misunderstandings about where they're supposed to fit. Zaire Williams is one of the biggest folks that is guilty of that. But again, he's 20 years old. He only played one year in college. He Give credit to Zach Kleiman. He was always supposed to be a project. That was always the reality with Zaire. And you can't be mad at upside swings and then the guy that they take to be their upside swing, 16 games of the season say he's bad or say that he's lost. That's not how upside swings work. He, he's just young and, and he doesn't fully understand where he's supposed to be. And He's being asked to do more than he should be asked to do because of the injuries to Dylan and now D'Anthony Melton. So you're in a position where he's playing more minutes and he's in a role that maybe he shouldn't be. And it all again, snowballs from there. So I see lack of positioning, uh, an over-reliance on trying to create steals and deflections. I think that Taylor Jenkins throughout his tenure is really hyped on that. And I think the team almost focuses too much on that. I, Obviously, Taylor Jenkins has forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. But for me, again, you mentioned my coaching background. I prioritize being able to keep people in front of me. I don't want to give up the big play. I don't want to give up the big shot, so to speak, Um, downfield as a football coach. You stay in a cover three, a cover four look, trying to maintain that umbrella on the back end so that you live to play another down. I think the Grizzlies blitz too much to use football vernacular. And again, Parker Fleming talked about stunting, which I didn't know that was used in basketball, but it helped my football mind make even more sense of it. The the idea of trying to use a a movement that you're – it's like educated guesswork, right? And you're trying to put yourself in a position where you're attacking a passing lane or you're throwing off a, a line of sight just enough to create a deflection, which obviously leads to winning. Or, you know, multiple steals or stocks, you know, the combinations of steals and blocks. And when you just rely on that and you don't prioritize maintaining leverage on the guy in front of you, whether it's fighting over screens, hedging uh, with a big, however it might be, there's all sorts of problems that can cultivate out of that. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with that defense.
0: And I agree in the numbers. Now, let's be honest. The numbers were a bit skewed because they did play against the Rockets. So that's to be fair. But also, it's hard to deny that when Dylan is back, that defense, everybody's hierarchy, everybody's perfect spot gets in a better position. Well, Joe, we'll end on this. And just a straightforward question then. I know that, you know, in terms of the result. Right now, you don't care. And I think that's fair. I get where you're coming from. You know, I certainly want to try to keep a positive mindset. I typically do. I want them to win. I want them to be competitive, as you mentioned. I want it to continue to be, even if it's slow, a good incline of progression. But when it comes to this team, to you, whether it be an individual, whether it be a certain stat, whether it be the whatever it may be, to Joel Molinax starting tonight in Utah, what for you? Will be the most encouraging sign of improvement for this team moving forward. I know you meant the competitiveness and, and that's fine. But in terms of, you know, their actual play, areas of improvement, aspects of games, what really stands out to you as the most, you know, important factor to start improving on that would, you know, certainly be a, a good sign to you?
1: I think that the most important thing for them is what do they do off of the actions of John Morant? Because more and more teams are going to do what the Timberwolves did and trap, double, you know, blitz. They're going to do all sorts of different things to Jaw to not let him get to his spots. Because Jaw Morant has proven on a night-in, night-out basis, if you allow him to at this stage of his career, he is going to torture you. He's not quite Paul George or Steph Curry or that level of veteran yet where he has – all the understandings of these NBA defensive coverages, so he can still be had in that way. Again, Minnesota showed that if we're all being unbiased and, and honest with each other. So the jazz are going to be more than capable of doing that. And teams moving forward are going to be capable of doing that. How Jaw responds obviously matters, but you know, Desmond Bain stands out in my memory as somebody who did well in that first quarter being able to take advantage of the open looks that were garnered because so much attention was being given to Jaw. Heaven forbid we have Jaron Jackson Jr. on screens and set looks off of that, knowing where the blitz is going to come from as the game goes on and getting him going offensively. You know, if Dylan Brooks is back, which he likely won't be anytime soon, well, maybe in the next couple of games. But anyway, uh, knowing how they treat injuries, it's possible he misses some time. Same thing with Melton. Uh, You know, Brandon Clark attacking the basket if he continues to play. Tyus Jones is having a resurgence from three. And to me, that makes sense. If you're missing both Melton and Brooks, play some more two-point guard lineups. Let Job be the two-guard and slash off the basket, attack the rim, give different lanes and angles for him to try to score. Uh, How they react and respond to this newly created vision of Morant as this all-star level, to be honest with you, when he's really on, like he was against the Clippers, He's the second-best guard in the NBA right now. It's Steph Curry, and then it's Morant, in my opinion. So when Jaw's at his peak and he's the second-best guard in the NBA, you're going to have to find ways to understand that the opposing team is going to take that away. What is the counterpunch? How are you going to react off of that and ensure that the offense doesn't completely shut down? That's what I'm looking for. And I think that growth is what matters more than wins and losses in this moment. Because, again, when the playoffs were over last spring and the Jazz eliminated Memphis in five games, I wrote an article saying data accumulation's over. It's time to start competing. And then they traded (laughs) Jonas Valanciunas and brought in Stephen Adams and drafted Zaire Williams, and they doubled down on this rebuild concept, which, again, I think in a market like Memphis, that makes all the sense in the world. Wins and losses aren't as important as growth. And improvement and growth is not always linear. Maybe they lose more games this year, but they have to show signs of competitiveness, which, again, we talked about earlier. That's a concern for me right now. But in terms of actual basketball, the game being played, I need to see who is going to step up and be the guy that can score the ball when Ja Morant is being prioritized. You're not going to score, Ja. What's next? Desmond Bain has shown flashes of it. We've seen Jaron in the past do it. It's probably got to be a collective effort right now. How do they get there? That's what I'm looking for.
0: And the thing that I am putting my, I don't know, if faith, did you know, I use faith, whatever you want to call it. The thing that I am reminding myself of, Joe, is this is that there's layers to this. Whatever we're seeing right now as struggles, listen, the Grizzlies front office and coaching staff have done a commendable job. Whatever opinion you have of them, I find it very hard for there to be a legitimate argument that this front office and coaching staff has done less than an outstanding job of putting this team together so far. So if what they've done so far right now is struggling this year even more than they thought, if you've seen them be able to put this team together in the past, they're keeping track of the struggles as well if they continue they'll be able to figure out, okay, what we have right now may not make sense. If they've made good decisions in the past, they're going to make good decisions in the future to correct what needs to be corrected to support Jaw and Jaren. So basically, with whatever works out, I'm not saying this front office is foolproof, but what I am saying is, is that if they've made great decisions more often than not so far, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt right now. So even if things don't look as good as they hope they would right now, they'll make the needed changes as time goes on based off whatever occurs for the rest of the season. His name is Joe Mullinax. We're certainly going to call him before Christmas. We're going to call him after Christmas and we're at Christmas and we're going to call him after Christmas. He's a friend of the show. He's wonderful (laughs) when it comes to Grizzlies coverage, but of course also when it comes to Grizzly bear blues, let me see if I can get it right now, Joe, we have the uh, starting five podcast, Uh the three D podcast, the, um, Oh, good. The core four. There you Geek go. Eli with yourself and the long view podcast, five podcasts every single day, every week. And of course you've got locked on grizzlies. So many different great things when it comes to grizzlies. But of course I have the honor of riding over at GBB. What things do we have to look forward to when it comes to GBB and the wonderful assortment of content creators at the site? Sure. Well, I believe you have a feature coming out soon. T- taking a look at,
1: uh, and I'll let you clarify exactly. I remember asking the question because it was, it was particularly broad. I, I wanted you to specify a little bit. Um, but I know you've got a feature coming out soon, and I, I know that I'll be up and writing. I'm covering the game Monday night for the blog, uh, trying to make up for lost time with football season and all that stuff. So I covered Saturday night, and I'll be covering Monday as well. Uh, game coverage is kind of the name of the game, but we'll have podcasts like you alluded to. We'll have features. Uh, nobody covers the Memphis Grizzlies like Grizzly Bear Blues and and that's just the truth at this point um, it's not bragging it's just uh, factual at this stage and that's not disrespect to anybody else there's lots of great podcasts lots of great writers uh, we're, we're fortunate to have the media that we do in Memphis covering the Grizzlies uh, but in terms of the the quality and the quantity uh, Grizzly Bear Blues is unmatched at this stage and it's because of folks like you and Parker and And others. So I'm excited to get back into the swing and uh, carry my weight once again uh, as the NBA season grinds forward.
0: And that's a great thing about the Memphis media. Listen, we're going to disagree at times. You know, Joe, me, and you. You know, we don't do it often, out of respect for you know, you know. You're in great basketball perspective. I I try to get right every every other week. But my point is, is that we don't have to agree. But the point is, is that if we're even if we're not going to agree, there's going to be multiple perspectives that are certainly going to be worth tracking and keeping track of. And that that's a great thing about Memphis media. But Joe can't thank you enough if you'll stick with us for just a second after the show. His name is Joe Molenax. You can find him at Joe Molinex on Twitter. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at Stats SAC. The show at Locked On Grizz. Locked On Grizzlies on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button below. Also free wherever podcasts are available. The Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Free for po- podcasts are available as well, and all the great written content at Grizzly Bear Blues. For Joe Molinax, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon. Go Grizzlies tomorrow. We'll be back to certainly recap the action versus the jazz and talk about the holiday weekend games for the Grizzlies. Have a great one, guys.